This is On and Off Your Mat Podcast, Episode 190, Fascia, the missing piece to your physical wellness. If you're curious about the body and always want to learn new ways to improve your wellness, or if you've been dealing with pain that you can't quite seem to get rid of, today's episode is for you. For today's episode, I sat down with Anna Ray. At 18, Anna felt 80, trapped in her body and in a medical system that was unable to find answers about her physical pain and her complicated health issues. From that point on, she took a 25-year deep dive into the body's most complex and holistic system, the fascia. She got certified in Pilates and fascial fitness with additional extensive studies in the fields of physics, biomechanics, and a myriad of other movement methods like yoga, gyrotronics, tai chi, Qigong, and more, as well as manual body work techniques like rolfing, Reiki, and so many more. Along the way, Anna created a revolutionary new science-based solution to health and wellness called GST Body, which is based on the ability to use motion for much more than fitness, but to remodel, recover, and restore function, health, and vitality in the human body. As the founder and CEO of GST Body, Anna has become a member of the Fascia Research Society. She has spoken about holistic body care through fascia around the world, partnered with top athletes, surgeons, physicians, and celebrities. She has been featured in various publications from Shape to Elle, Metaporter to the Wall Street Journal. Throughout her career, Anna had had the pleasure of working with and helping over 10,000 people find lasting change by restoring their bodies and reclaiming an ageless vital life. If this episode helps you in any way, share it and help someone else on their journey. Leave a review on iTunes to help them find the podcast or the episode in general or share one of your takeaways on social media. I always love to read your takeaways on the episode. So when you take a screenshot of the episode and share your takeaway, make sure to tag at on and off your mat podcast. All right. If you're ready to explore what you might have been missing in your wellness journey, let's get to today's episode with Anna. Hi, Anna. Hello, how are you? I'm so well. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited about being here. Guys, we've been chatting already for a while. We've been having issues, so we're laughing and bonding already. So if you're just jumping in into the conversation, for people that don't know you very well, Anna, can you start by telling us a little bit about yourself and your journey? Yeah, I can. Like I said, my name is Anna Ray, and I am the CEO and the founder of GST Body which is a body care company. And we'll go a little bit more, maybe talk about that later, but it's a little bit distinguished from like just a health and wellness or like a fitness brand because we work with fascia exclusively as the answer Mm. to all body things. So because of what fascia is, can really address so many more body systems and body problems, concerns, issues, through fashion. So all of a sudden, instead of being just a limited exercise fitness kind of discipline, it becomes this whole body care and allows you to kind of become your own practitioner, like a chiropractor mixed with a acupuncturist mixed with massage therapy. And the reason it looks like fitness is because we use motion as the primary manipulator of tissue. And that's very different than manual techniques like, you know, Heller work or rolfing, because movement supplies a lot more of the requirements to be able to create significant structural and functional change in fascia. So that kind of brings me to my story of like, well, how did I even get into this fashion? Mm-hmm. It has been for a very long time, very niche 
And I did not go to school for fashion. In fact, I was laughing with somebody the other day. I'm like, got my first certification in fashion a couple months ago. <laughs> Most of this has been a trial and error of 25 years of me trying to fix my body. And I was 18 years old and I was living in a body that felt like I was 80. And some of the dominant symptoms were, you know, like chronic pain, inflammation. But I would like wake up on a given day and I was a professional dancer at this point. And I would wake up on given days and feel like I had just done the hardest workout in my life. The guy who can't pull a shirt over your head or like try to sit down and go to the bathroom was like painful. And I'm like, why? It wasn't like I went out and ran a marathon or So I'd have like these really bad, tight restrictions, even though I would stretch constantly and I was dancing. But then it would also like have other diverse symptoms like digestive issues. Like I would go and have someone check out my IBS and why I was having problems with digesting or eliminating or, but I think the scariest symptom, and they were all kind of multi-layered was when I really could not breathe. And some days I would go out on a run through Golden Gate Park. I was living in San Francisco at the time. And I felt like I was like this athlete. I could run for miles and run fast and be fine. And then two days later, without explanation, I felt like a 10-pack-a-day smoker. And I did get diagnosed with athletically induced asthma when I was 13 and got I had an inhaler, but no one really like knew. So I'd go get an MRI and then I'd go get another test and I'd go get another test. And I was a Pilates teacher at this point. I had been certified very young in Pilates. And I did notice that certain things that I was doing in Pilates would flare up or was related to some of my symptoms. And I'm like, what is this and why? And I started trying to search and ask mentors. And I did learn about fascia in one of my Pilates certification courses. Uh, it was kind of like this you know, external workshop, but it was really directed towards the emotional body and like how postures will you know, reflect you know, emotional <laughs> inner lives and stuff. So It wasn't really based upon like, what is fascia? How do you work with it? And what do you do? And so at the young age of 18, I invested in a Pilates performer. My Pilates teacher who was mentoring me was also kind of a sociopath. (laughs) She was not a nice person. And so I just was like, okay, I'm on my own. Basically, she told me that. And then I was like, cried, got over it. And then I was like, I'm on my own to figure this out. And so I just kind of pieced together things like you know, obviously I would lay and roll on things and I'd fight some reprieve, but then I noticed that I'd go back out and do my exercises and go dance and have my performances. And then I'd like have all these flare-ups again. And so I'm like, one night I just thought, how could make this permanent? I do not want to have to lay for three hours on a roller every night. I can't do that for the rest of my life. And so I was watching and I felt that kind of like melting spread. And I was like, hmm, could I do that on purpose? Could I make that happen on command the way that I actually do a muscle? And sure enough, I could. And so I started doing this like kind of like I call it, you know, energetic metabolism. It's like this three-step process of creating fascia flux. I would actually not discover that there was science that backed this. I looked everywhere to like even in fascia research being like, what is this? Why can I do this? And no one was talking about it till 2011. I was in Vancouver at a fascia conference trying to find you know, some kind of science behind what I'm doing. Cause it wasn't like I'd go and get heller work and I'd have flare up in my symptoms. They wouldn't alleviate, but the stuff I was doing was alleviating it. So I was trying to be like, what's the difference? And so long and short story, I just started like patterning out these impulses, these fluxes, like a muscle flexes, but fascia fluxes. It's like this impulse of fascia that can be sent out and rippled through the tissue based upon fascia hydraulics, which we can talk about at some point. 
And I charted out the human body based upon these. And I saw some similarities to like, you know, the anatomy trains. And I'm like, this is different. And then I studied acupuncture. And I'm like, but this is also a different neurological line. And and all of a sudden it started to really affect my biomechanics. And I started realizing that a lot of the things that I was doing, that I was taught in dance and in fitness and in Pilates, and I had really good training in biomechanics. I was like, this is wrong. This is not the way you're supposed to do your pelvis. This is not the way you're supposed to do your rib cage. This is not the way that your spine is supposed to behave. And all of a sudden, a new biomechanical model kind of just like came out and I was like, oh, okay. So I can actually teach people to manipulate their tissue using the principles of manual therapy, like levers, forces, and flow, but apply it through their own lever system to get tissue to respond and to get fascia to actually restructure and remold and kind of remodel. And inside of that, um, created my business. Like I would, you know, build tools to try to like help or equipment that would allow me to get more precise with how I could push and pull. And I could apply enough force. Cause the other thing is that my tissue was extremely unhealthy and very dense. And so very little could actually impact it. I felt like I was just like this, like entirely wrapped mummy in like yeah, like fully armored cellophane, fully armored and i was like why 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 so i just led you know this to this to this and i created a system that will heal beyond that is you know restorative i mean it's therapeutic but it's also like what i'm really passionate about is like you don't like this about your body change it. <laughs> you don't like this about your body well you can change it so you know that's kind of what i do I like to work with people who want to change their bodies. And in turn, obviously, it changes your life. Amazing. That sounds so inspiring. And I have like a million more questions. But before we really dive in, we've talked about fascia on this show before, but it's been a minute. So can we just start for people that are like, fa what? Like, what is fascia? Can you explain it kind of simply? I know it could be complicated, but I think we can make it digestible for people. So I'm going to tell you what fascia is, and then I'm going to take your picture slightly bigger into the connective tissue system, because I think that that's where most of the magic lies. Mm -hmm. So fascia is as generic as saying, this is your cotton t-shirt. Okay. It's just a fabric. It's a type of tissue in your body that makes up a huge amount of mass. Okay. And what's interesting about fascia is that you have just like different fabrics in fashion. Fascia displays itself differently in different parts of the body. So when it's surrounding your organs, it's like more like sateen or silk. But if it's in your muscles or your myofascia, it's like sturdy linen. And if it's in your bladder, it's more like a lycra. And if it's in your brain, it's more like a, okay. So you kind of see that there's all these types of fabrics, but it's made up of the same constitution of like high collagen, elastin, and reticulin. And so inside of you, if the listener is trying to picture it, If you open up the body, it literally looks like kind of this gooey spiderweb type stuff, like a kitten went in with yarn and went crazy throwing it everywhere and it fills every nook and cranny. So there's not really a space inside of you which has open space. Uh Fascia is kind of like this deep stuffing. But what's most important about fascia is not just the type of tissue, but that it actually organizes an entire body system similar to your digestive system, your cardiovascular system. The connective tissue system comes complete with its own organs, the way that fascia organizes. And this is important for metabolic processes, especially through movement. But they're not massed organs like your heart or your lungs. 
They are layered organs, kind of like the way that molten lava would layer sedimentary into rock. It looks like there's like these, you have the interstitium, and that's one layer of the fascia. So you have to almost picture that fascial organs are wrapping in and through, almost like, you know, those lava lamps. So when you have different colors that kind of go and through, they don't necessarily mix, but they definitely have boundary lines in how they process. So why this is important is because... Connective tissue system has the most significant amount of functions of any body system. Mm. And so you have three like body-wide networks. You have your neural net, you have your circulatory net, and then you have your fascial or your connective tissue net. And that just means that it's everywhere inside of you. There's not a part of your body that the fascia does not touch and that it's not connected to. It's a sensory system. It's a sonic system. It's a nutritional system. It's a irrigation system. It's a movement system. And so you look at all of its functions and those have to come together really nicely. And it's an important thing to kind of note is like when you're looking at the connective tissue system, you know, your liver plays a role in digestion, but it also plays a role in detoxification and in the lymph and in the bile and the so each organ has a very specific like this is when the colon takes it and this is when it comes from the gallbladder and this is when it so there's these processes that fascia does and so when i try to describe connective tissue system its greatest and most significant role without being sonic and irrigation altogether is your body's energetic system it's like your smart grid it's literally how the body is manipulating, modulating, and monitoring energy. So, for example, so fascinating. Your heart beats next to your lungs. Your heart puts off an electric current. Why does it not interfere with the motion and the energy that's coming off your lungs? Fascia is busy dancing in the background in this subtle place, creating integration, symphonics, and harmonics inside the human body. Fascia is responsible for taking high voltage force that comes through living in gravity through the high stresses of, we'll talk about this probably more, but psychological versus physical loading, mechanical loading. Fascia relates to both of those. But then it also takes your internal lo-fi voltage, like from your organs, cells, and molecular structures, and starts to integrate them. So movement is happening in this very beautiful symphonic thing. And that is what fascia does. So it can protect and provides energy transmission. And that's why it uses sonic, you know, it uses electromagnetic frequencies. It's like burst and all of these things. And it's perfectly constructed out of, this is the next part, that it's really connected mostly to water versus fiber structure. And so that's another area that's really opening up ideas in medicine and in therapeutics and integrative mm -hmm. care, because all of a sudden it means that fascia or the connective tissue system is redefining what we see as body composition and how you're supposed to work with it. In other words, we are more like kind of a water balloon being thrown through the air than we are sticks being thrown through the air. And all of a sudden, we don't want to create, you know, sickness isn't a result of being too mobile. It's not being mobile enough. And so there's a balance, of course, there are people who are hypermobile, but in general, the general population, our sicknesses is because we do not have flow. We do not have yeah. movement on every level of physiology. So can you explain a little bit more how that relates to pain in that case? You just, you're just starting kind of into that, I feel. How does it contribute or how can we think of fascia to then address chronic pain? Great question. So fascia is a sensory organ. 
right? It has three times as many sensors as any other tissue. It used to be thought that muscles and stuff had the most amount of receptors and sensory collectors of any other tissue. And fascia has now got three times as many. And of those three times, fascia really focuses densely population into sensor or interception versus perception, right? So it's busy listening. It has 70% more sensors listening from the inside of the body than from listening from the outside, right? Perception has to do with like, oh, my arm is over here. I can feel it in the back of my, or I can see where I am out here. It's collecting information from out. But interoception is what's happening on the inside of you. And so fascia is involved heavily in being able to listen and communicate to the other systems of the body what's happening. Of those sensory nerves, 40% of them are related to free nerve endings, meaning most nerve endings are allocated like to light, to heat, to pressure, right? Mm-hmm. But 40% of those are actually free nerve endings and they're related to the autonomic nervous system being able to collect the information it needs to stay like present and keeping the body healthy, alive and receiving. However, free nerve endings can easily become nocere receptors, which is the receptor that is telling your body that there is something wrong. It could be a chemical poisoning. It could be a heat poisoning, but that can be augmented and changed with repetitive kind of stress and loading. So fascia tends to be the first thing that's listening to the information. It desperately is trying to protect the body. And so when there is something that is not moving or when there is something that is overloading the system, if it's chronic through chronic emotional stresses, or I say psychological versus physiological stresses, fascia is the thing that responds. Now, things like low back pain, is even more because of those nerve endings, I wrote this down for you, 40% of those free nerve endings are in the thoracolumbar spine, okay? Oh, 40%. Yes, 40%. And so you look at these numbers and you're like, I believe that the body was both intelligently and, you know, initiated, but evolutionarily grown. And in looking at the wisdom of the human body for these types of things, you're like, why the low back? And it has more like the human body has even more of these than any other animal in the animal kingdom. And one I think of the reasons is, is where and how energy literally flows through from the adrenal glands down into the low back through what's called the QL, quadratus laborum, then it enters into the paracolumbar fascia, and that becomes like a flow field for water or for the hormones that are produced during high stress times. And so if you are not putting it into motion and running away, this is all evolutionary, right? So anthropologically, we had to survive in a very different way. Have you ever read the book called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers? It's a very good book. It's very funny. Uh But he talks about like, you know, how humans are not metabolizing their stresses and fascia is the thing that puts these processes into motion. And when that doesn't happen, and when you lock up your thoracolumbar fascia, you're literally like taking the gravel and making it not be able to spread out and put into motion through physical motion. The end result is physical motion. And the myofascia is kind of like the colon of the connective tissue system. And we'll talk about that. It's like the last place that energy is leaving the system rather than being generated from. But if you don't have blood metabolism, then the fascia will start to not glide, will start to stick, will start to adhere, will start to create ossification. And that ossification will then lead to more and more pathology through the system where energy can't move. And it becomes like this 
chronic state. So when there is no motion, the fascia then says, hello, hello, this pain receptor is now a nocy receptor. It's telling you that it's toxic. And that's where we get it chronically. And so most people mm. try to stretch thinking that they are in, in terms of being able to eliminate some of the static tension that's in the tissue. But by the time they get there, you have to actually remodel the structure of the fibers. Of because fascia. they wait too long. That's right. Mm. So stretching like a callus doesn't take it off. Mm-hmm. So, so then what does the movement have to look like? Like when we talk about motion and movement being the effective like tool and technique, but stretching once you have the pain is not quite enough. So what's the recipe, quote unquote, what's the movement we need to play with and integrate more regularly? Great question. Okay, so. I'm going to try and make it as simple as possible because I like to go into the, you know, depth of it. Number one, fascia needs a huge amount of diverse fluid motion. Okay. It has to be large ranges of motion. It has to have a lot of different diversities, like stimulations. In other words, just stretching, by the way, does not activate fascia. Just doing certain types of motion does not initiate fibroblast restructuring. There's very specific, it's very scientific. The body's like, oh, you want me to do this? Well, you're going to have to give me this in order to do it. So a lot of times people think that just because they're melting their fascia, that they're actually restructuring it. And that's also a completely different science. But for motion to be healthy for fascia, a couple of things have to be present. Number one, fluid dynamics. Remember I said that fascia moves more like or is 70% water, 30% fiber. So it behaves under load, under stress or mechanical pressure. It becomes and behaves more like a fluid than a solid. So there's three things that we do that actually kill that chronically. Okay. The first is trying to develop a strong and solid core. The core of the body should be the most fluid and agile place. We look at the abdominals and we say, oh my gosh, ah, someone made a mistake. We should have something hard there. And it's like, wait, it's the only place in the human body there isn't something hard, even though it's still vital. So why did they keep it smooth? Why did they keep it fluid? Why did evolution build a fluid body? So solid core will not help with back pain, will completely destroy your digestion and really wreaks havoc on all your major joint systems. Second, flattening out your spine. Let's flatten out to protect your low back. Flatten it, okay? We have got to flatten it. And all of a sudden, we're tucking our pelvis, which creates huge amounts of problems, especially in low back pain, especially in hip and leg and knee stuff. The third thing is the shoulder girdle. Oh, we should be hanging from trees. We should be swinging. We should be pulling and pressing. And all of a sudden, we're taught to pull your shoulders down and back, pull your shoulders down and back, pull your shoulders down and back, lock them in, lock them in. And you're like, oh my gosh, stop, stop. You're hurting yourself. Just stop. So those three things come from one big misperception is that the body is needing to be stabilized. Mm. Right? We are obsessed. I know in yoga, it's this way. And in Pilates, it's this way. I'm so over the conversation of stabilization. I'm like, let's first talk mobilization. And then we can talk about where the stability comes from because fascia relates very different. Length is strength to fascia. For the listener, picture fascia functions like a Chinese finger toy. You know, when you're a kid and you put your fingers in each end like a stocking and then you pull it back and it locks. Fascia actually gets stronger when it gets longer. Uh-huh. So we're going to look at this like mechanical action in the way that you're supposed to move in three steps. And I'll go over them with you. But you have to understand that fascia, because it's a fluid, 
Then moves like fluid dynamics, right? Rather than solid mechanics. Think rock in pond. There's three steps process. It's not this stick is pulling and pushing like this. It's the rock goes in. That is one step. Then the water spreads. That's another Mm -hmm. step. Mm -hmm. Then it ripples. And that's another step of displacement. And that is exactly how fascia relates to motion. It takes force in. And then it starts this sonic kind of wave feeling that Mm -hmm. moves out. And so you want to start thinking of your movement more like a syringe. Back to the Chinese finger toy. When you push on each end of that finger toy, the fibers loosen. When you pull on the finger toy, the fibers tighten. That push and pull is a hydraulic action that moves fluid and water through your body and keeps the fibers lubricated, moving, and gliding, and then allows for energy to transfer. That's how energy is moving through the system. So if you look at human biomechanics and simplify it greatly... Every movement in the human body, when you look like your body is tubes, not sticks, arms and legs are tubes, not sticks. You have compression moves like flexion and you have traction moves like extension, flexion and traction, flexion and traction. And every flexion and traction is the pull and push of a syringe. What we do is we go in and we lock down our biggest spine, which is a tube, right? The whole thoracic tube. And we lock down where these energies are moving through the center channel and we kill our energy frequency in our bodies and we stop the flow of how fascia then trickles down and creates movement on other levels of physiology. And that's where we get into even more layers of sickness because if you use your workout or your body and your stretching and you make solid mechanical principles, you are vicing and restricting Mm -hmm. all other physiological movement that relies on fascia and its primary flux to create that harmonic distribution of energy, right? The metabolic process of fascia. So healthy movement of fascia looks like an accordion, push, pull, the last move I said, flex and compression is the accordion move. Then there's rotation. And we do very little bits of rotation in our practices. When we do it, at least in Pilates, and I studied, you know, quite a bit of yoga, but never really got certified because it was very positional for me. So a lot of our workouts, Pilates and yoga and even physical therapy are position based. Mm -hmm. So we usually shut down the kinetic chain and we never swing and move and use pendular force. We never add percussion as a, you know, sensory feed to our tissue. So in GST, we have this protocol that's called the connective tissue system release protocol. And you remember it by percussion, rotation, and swinging, because we don't do any of those. Those are the five things that fascia needs in order to be dynamic. And you can choose to do it on the floor. You can choose to do it standing, but those are the elements that keep fascia interested restructuring, hydrated, moving, flexible, and letting movement trickle down into all the other physiological motion we need. All right. (laughs) We need to bring definitely more, I don't want to say creative movement, but like open our mind into the other types of movement our body are able to do rather than the linear front to back that we're so accustomed to, particularly in yoga. It's very much like front of the body, back of the body. There's even little side body. There is some, but there's little. And there's barely any spiraling of any kind. Any of that rotation is like, I can't even come up right now with a pose that is like personally in rotation. Rotation and spiraling are also different, right? So Mm -hmm. rotation is staying around a center axis 
while spiraling is actually taking the rotation and letting it splatter yeah. through different axes, right? And so yeah. you look so there's at the twist at the rotation, but there's not the spiral. Spiraling. That's right. And if you look at every single movement discipline, almost every single one, I mean, I've studied so many of them. You know who does the best at being able to create some spiraling is gyrotonics. And that mm-hmm. is what I studied for four years that gave me permission, even as a dancer. I mean, you look, I've worked with like prima ballerinas in the New York City Ballet and even their training, even though their body is asked to be huge and long and like huge ranges of motion, their training is like lock in yeah, so that so you can rigid. reach out. Oh my goodness. I want to know. And I think it comes down to a sense for me of like control. You stole the words out of my mouth. I was like, I was waiting for you to be done with your sense. I'm like, control, control, control. Yeah. It's all about Humans control. Humans will be in control. Our calisthenics came from control. We also like most of our new biomechanics was developing around the time of World War One when soldiers were coming back. It was also the industrial revolution where we were obsessed with mechanics of machines. So everything was like the steam engine was on levers and like, you know, everything was both. And so all of a sudden we had engineers trying to figure out how to rehab our soldiers from the war and it just got layered in and then medicine yeah. took over and then you never question medical doctors for God's sake. You know, orthopedic surgeons that are like, don't move that, but splint it. And you're like, wait, hold on. You just had surgery. Let's move it. Let's make the tissue stay agile while the bone heals. And anyway, so there's all these different things. But yes, I think that control comes down to you know, how can we make it simple? I think movement's complicated. And so I know as a practitioner, I've looked at people and I'm like, how do I get you to really learn how to do this? And everyone's like, safely. And you're like, yeah, that's where I was going in my next question. Like for people that feel the need to be in control because they have the story of like, movement is unsafe. I've been injured. I always hurt, blah, 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 the story, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. How do you approach this with them? Or how can they start to kind of shift their mindset to open their mind to softness and fluidity instead of rigidity to protect themselves? It's a really good question. Number one, it has to do with perspective, right? Perception. I'll talk first about the fact that you have to be willing to see that You can still be strong and fluid. Those are not weaknesses, right? You have to literally change that my mobility is not a liability. That me being soft and supple is actually show this all the time. In in car accidents of drunk drivers, the drunk Mm. driver lives and the rigid passenger next to him dies, right? It's like, so you are more safe being more agile. You are more safe being fluid, being able to rebound and be pushed out and be able to like send things off of you than capturing and controlling and being rigid. Rigidity breaks much more easily. It is way a more fragile state than being fluid. And that is hard for people, right? One of the protections of humanity is to pull into you, pull close to you, pull to tribe, pull to blah, 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 pull your mind in rather than like expansion creates space for other things. Mm. And fashion is all about letting out letting go. It's in its healthiest state when it's letting energy move out of itself rather than contracting in. And so you have to kind of change your mindset and be like, I really have not been served by my own you know, perception. This is no longer serving me. I can tell because mm, my injury isn't really going away, even though at least I've got it under control, 
right? That's my favorite thing when people come into me for injury and they're like, or pain and they're like, it doesn't flare up all the time. I've got a handle on it. I'm like, but don't you want to eliminate it? Don't you just want to like get rid of it? Like permanently? <laughs> Why manage your pain? Pain management is the stupidest term I've ever heard. Don't manage it. Get rid of it. And so I think that that's the first thing that I'll say. And then I think the other thing that came up for me when you were saying like, how do you encourage people to do things differently is giving them the feeling, right? With GST, it is so different when you do it. It feels like a huge yawn. And for a while, it felt like it was my liability with what a GST was because people would come in thinking they were getting a workout and they'd walk out and be like, I got the best deep tissue massage. And those two things were diametrically opposed. And they are. We go out and hurt our bodies when we work out or do our yoga or do our physical activity. And then we go to therapists and try to get them to feel better, like go get a massage. It's like, what if those two things were simultaneous? And so when you start working with fascia, it feels so good. And your pain goes, right? There's a very simple method for getting rid of pain. Number one, you push in on it. You actually antagonize it. And then your body goes, oh, I need to get rid of this. This fiber needs to clear. This fiber is held hostage. How do I create movement? Then I teach people how to use the fascia flux on purpose instead of waiting for the muscle to ease out, instead of letting it go. This is one of the things, most therapeutics are so soft. Like I would get all relaxed in my Alexander technique. I would totally let all my pain go in my, you know, therapeutic yoga sessions, but I get up and go to life. And my body was like, right back to where it was. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I have to find a way to have energy move through me rather than into me and relax into me and relax. And so I think that the answer is that third step of when fascia actually has motion on that physiological level, the pain releases. And so someone has to trust it and be able to say, it's okay that pain is not either good or bad. It's actually neutral. It's a communication yeah, that my body is me to be like, listen, just listen. And then you listen and you're like, oh, okay. So it's not going to kill me. I can actually do something about it. And if I put it into motion, it triggers actually your endorphin system. And your brain hits such a high, it's almost like this serotonin boost. Fascia is so tied to that. So you do the boost and then all of a sudden your body goes, oh, I'm not going to die. Pain can be scary, but you have to rechange your relationship. And I think that we're going down this road of, or most of the things I see are like, pain is telling you that what you're doing is not right. It's like, no, actually my pain was telling me, that's also true. (laughs) It's like, it was telling me I was doing something right, but I had to trust myself. And that would be my other thing is like, the journey is being able to hear something like we were talking about in the preamble of our conversation of like, and just following that and being like, that is true. That feels right. And when you tap into pain and it moves, it should feel right. And then you're willing to handle more pain and your threshold goes up. You don't have to be afraid. You don't have to think you're injuring yourself. It's another way that we expend our capacity. Like you were talking about expansion. Exactly. Yeah. When you feel fascia release for pain, it is not a metaphor. It is a literal transition that fascia fibers that are all bound up, you push into the pain and the actual fibers do this unspiral, this release, and then moving out. And you'll feel the expansion in the moment. People will be like, why am I feeling it like this? I'm like, well, it feels like a release, but it also does this like huge reorganization. It's an expansion and reorganization. It literally creates more space inside of you to have those fibers open. Uh Not So anyway, I love that. For me, fascia lessons take 
what we've always known in story and in metaphor. And it literally does that in practical application. Mm-hmm. So I love that. That's one of the, like expanding consciousness isn't like a frou-frou. It's like, if you open your fascia, it can actually sense more and you can take in more information, which is the definition of consciousness. Yeah. It's like a total other like rabbit hole we can go down. Go down. <laughs> in. I know. We'll but, stay with pain. I know that's helpful. I know. And I feel like we can talk about so much more, but I also think this is already a lot for people to start to chew on. So mm-hmm. let's start to kind of put a pin in it for now. If yeah, there's me. like a takeaway you'd like listeners to have from today's conversation, if there's like one thing you want to add, what would that be? That's a good question. No one's ever asked me that only is one takeaway. I think that the way to heal, the way to move forward, the way to find answers to journey is through a fascia principle of letting out and letting go. That if you can feel it in your tissue, you will start to feel it in the moment when you clench emotionally. You will feel it in the ways that you can engage with the world around you, that it's not a big jump of self-improvement. It's like, just follow this feeling. And that feeling will lead you to congruency, right? Mm -hmm. These ripple effects, fascia, the hydraulics will ripple out into your life. And so if you can do that, I think that's what I would say is that fascia carries that for you. It's almost like a little mirror. Like as your fascia realigns, like your life actually realigns, you know, like a little microcosm of your microcosm. They call it continuum, right? So in fluid dynamics, the rock is the first continuum. Somatic work is the first rock in pond. Then living it out into the life of your kinetic space where you engage with your relationships and your family and your children. And then you go to the next continuum, which is the third ripple out in the pond, which is to the world around you, right? And so every ripple, if you make the dent in your fascia, it is not metaphorical. It is literal that you are changing your continuum all the way out throughout your life. Amazing. I will put all your information in the show notes, but in the meantime, where's the best place for people to find you? If they want to learn more about you, about this, they want to work with you or ask some question, where do they go? Come to my website. It's new. Anna Ray, R-A-H-E. It's Anna, two N's, A-N-N-A. And my last name is pronounced Ray, but it's spelled Rahi. So if you need to have a phonetic sound, dot com. And it's a good landing place to get to our online studio and over to the GST body website. So you can read a little bit more of stuff there, but it's a great place because I interact with that website and that's where you can email me directly. I respond, no assistance or no go bots or whatever. Yeah. You can kind of talk to me about what's going on in your body and your life and we can kind of come up with a plan for how to help you. Mm, Sounds so good. Thank you so much for your time today. That was a very, very interesting chat. (laughs) Thanks for letting me come and talk. I just love when I can meet with like minds and hearts. It gives me like this, you know, fascia is the connector. And so I think that that's why I enjoy these things too, to just make connection to all things. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you haven't already done so, leave a review for this episode of the podcast in general on iTunes. If this episode has helped you, you can pass it on and help someone else by leaving your review. Plus, when you leave a review to say thank you, I will give you access to our premium membership for free for a month. 
All you have to do is send me a screenshot of your review and we'll get you all set up. You'll find the show notes for this episode at ericabalanja.com slash 190. Before you go, I just want to say a last thank you to the growing team behind this podcast and their support in making this possible. And that includes all our premium members. Once again, thank you for listening. I'll see you next Monday.